0: All right, how you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and welcome once again to Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com and the Giants app. With me, as always, my buddy and colleague, Paulie Dots, Paul Dottino, and of course, uh, you, the fans out there, the number for you to call is 201-939-4513. That's 201-939-4513. Pearson Butler at the controls. And again, As Bill Parcells opens up by saying, they can never say you can't do it. You didn't do it because you did it. Giants did it last week, and now they got to do it again.
2: Yeah, eight wins in the books, and how many more? Well, we're just going to have to wait and see how it plays out, Ross. It certainly looks very good and promising for the Giants. Uh, We can go all of the permutations uh, that you'd like, but the truth of the matter is they control their own fate. And that's all you really want. You remember how Wellington Mara always used to say, and God rest his soul, love the man, he always used to say, I just want to make sure that we're playing a meaningful game in the last game, home game of the season so that our home fans have something to cheer for and care about when they come to that game. And that's the case because even though the Giants are on the road in Minnesota this week, uh, and they could, in theory, clinch a playoff spot, the following week they're home for the Indianapolis Colts And it's probably a lot more realistic that they will clinch a playoff spot that day.
0: Right. No, it is. And you know what the old saying is, uh, don't expect, you can't expect help from others if you're not helping yourselves. Well, the Giants helped themselves in the nation's capital last week. uh, Thrilling game. But now it's in Minnesota. And uh, I'm not going to lie. They're up against it in Minnesota. They're playing, uh, you know, that's a team that can be scored upon the Colts displayed that, but at the same time, they're a right. team that can score points upon you, and the, the Vikings certainly displayed that. You know, one
2: thing that we saw the other night, and by the way, the NFC uh, named Kayvon Thibodeau, the Defensive Player of the Week, for his 11 tackles, his strip sack and uh, scoop and score the other day against Washington, uh, it was a very dramatic performance by Thibodeau, who I thought, and I'm glad Wake Martindale said today... When he tracked down Heineke at the one-yard line in the final minutes, I thought that was even more impressive than we the touchdown. We were talking
0: about that the other day. You were, I, that to me, you know. Said, yeah, you know what? That's exactly what we were talking about. Yeah. I, I mean that play. Well, go ahead, finish. I mean the play. If, if by chance you didn't watch it, when he ran down at from no place. I mean, the, the, you know the. He was in man coverage against uh, Logan
2: Thomas, the tight end who was strong side to the right of the offensive formation. And the Giants had decided to call a blitz, and it was a zone blitz, where Thibodeau was going to cover Thomas man to man. Now Thomas goes on his route, and he runs it to the end zone. And Heineke gets pressured, rolls to the right sideline, sees plenty of daylight, and takes off for the pylon. And Thibodeau suddenly turns, sees Heineke running, leaves his guy, and makes a freaking beeline as if he shot out of a cannon. To the one-yard line, meets Heineke and throws his body at the quarterback and knocks him down at the one, right in front of the pylon. Yeah, no, it, it was. You, it, oh my
0: God! It, it was a tremendous play, and he that, was a, shot out, out of a cannon. He was incredible that play. I, I, you, and I have said this time and time again. I've never ever. I never like to do it, and uh, I don't do it. Uh, I never like make comparisons to Lawrence Taylor, and that goes no, we to, to any and everybody. I you could Ray Lewis at the height of his career. I didn't care anybody, but watching the game from my standpoint on TV, watching the game, I didn't say that Kavon is the next Lawrence Taylor or anything like that. But I did say to myself, and as soon as I saw, in fact, I texted you and yes, I said, "This is a LTSK, if you will." performance. This was I, watching it on TV, as I'm sure many of you did. You're watching a guy. He was like in every frame of everything on the screen. He was like in every play that the, I, I it was everything that Wink Martindale was saying to us from the beginning of the season. I mentioned that to Wink today when we were mm-hmm. talking to him. Uh, you know, Wink would say, yeah. And when everybody would ask him, you know, about the, uh, the, the, well, he's not getting the sacks, he's not getting this. And Wink would say, it's not just about sacks, it's about everything else he does, and that those will be coming, and this and that. And so I asked Wink. And that wasn't a sack, by the way. No, no. But, but what a big play. But, but just everything that he did. Yeah. It, it, you know, and I asked Wink if that was, would you say that was validation? Uh, for everything that you said, <laughs> he goes okay. Exactly. Yeah, and it was. I, I mean, it was just. It was everything that they that. Excuse me. It was everything the Giants thought about when they drafted him. I mean, mm-hmm. he is an athlete. He displayed all his athletic skills in that game, and for that, he was defensive player of uh, NFC defensive player. Big plays.
2: Uh, big players make big plays in big moments, and right. that's what he did. Now, here's why I bring this up. Not just because he won that award today, but because that's the best path to victory against Minnesota is the Giants' pass rush. Jalari and Thibodeau off the edges. And Jalari, by the way, has at least part of a sack in four of the five games he's played this year. Remember, he pressured Heineke on third down into throwing the ball away as they were knocking on the door trying to tie the game. Ojolari also had impact in the game. And so you've got those two guys with Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence in the middle. Lawrence who forced the fumble inside the 10 right. and Leonard Williams who recovered it, okay? This this defensive front is not going to take a backseat to anybody in the NFL over the final month of the season. They're as good as anybody. I'm sorry. I'm not backing off of that. That's what I think about the talent of these guys, and they haven't been on the field together until last week. Well, that,
0: that's the whole thing. I, I mean, you know, Wink mentioned that today. You can't look back, but yeah, you know, the, Wink's been waiting for that for three and a half months, and now mm-hmm. he's got, he's got, he's got to let them stay together, and it, it's really quite something. Now, it, it'd be a real. Lovely sight to see if uh, when you get the uh, X Man Xavier McKinney and uh, Adore Jackson back oh, there. Tell me about it. But right now you got the four guys together and listen, we've been waiting for Kayvon and Aziz all season long to see what they can do. And and Wink brought up another good part about it today that it's fun to see two young guys, 22 years old. You know, they're thriving and striving to get better. They want it. You know, they They want want to excel. You're talking about a first-round pick, a second-round pick, who could be a first-round pick in his ease. So it's quite interesting.
2: The timing couldn't be better because Heineke and Cousins are similar in one very same way. They both hold the ball long because they know their receivers can do things to get open, and then they can hit them for big plays. Heineke does it in Washington, and you know, he had a couple of plays the other night. Right. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, no. The 61 yard of the Dotson was a really big play, a great catch. Cousins does the same thing. He knows that he's got the weapons, so he will hold the ball long in the pocket. He's even more stationary than Heineke. And if you look at the stats, this is a fact. This is not something we're making up now just because the Giants are playing them. Cousins has been hit. More than any quarterback in the league. And that includes Daniel Jones. So they've got trouble with their pass protection. Ingram, the uh, left guard, is a uh, a right guard. The right guard is a rookie out of LSU's second-round pick. He's given up nine sacks this year, which is the most by any lineman in the National Football League. O'Neal is their right tackle. He's given up four sacks. Do you know who's on that side? Ojolari's on the edge and Leonard Williams is right next to him. Those two guys could have a feast against those two Vikings
0: who have struggled in pass protection all year long. Well, uh, on the reverse side, let's talk about Daniel Jones. And, you know, uh, Paul and I have been saying it all season long. I, I, I said it the first month of the season. I said he's doing everything to secure his future here with the Giants. And... I, after, after last Sunday night, I said enough is enough. He was the subject, the focus of my podcast on Yes This Week. I said he's... Uh, Daniel Jones is the Rodney Dangerfield of the National Football League, getting no respect. But... And this is not inside information. He is the quarterback for this year. He is the quarterback for next year. And he is the quarterback for the Big Blue for years after that. Case closed. Okay? So that some it continues to be debated and discussed. What should the Giants do? Should the Giants do this? Maybe Daniel Jones, blah, 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 blah. blah. Forget about it. Now, that's exactly what I said. Forget about it. He is the guy, period. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the number. That's two zero one nine three nine four five one three. I would think you would concur on the, 200% exactly period and have felt
2: that way for the last couple of months. Yeah,
0: no, he has done everything. I mean, he's, he, he's played his ass off. He's as tough as nails. And, and I, I'll be honest with you. I'm watching a game Sunday night and listen, some of the guys, Richie James made some big plays. He had himself a very good game, but I'm watching a game Sunday night and I'd be less than honest. If I didn't say I'm saying to myself, what would it be like for Daniel Jones if he had the Washington Commanders receivers to throw to? I mean, really. You know, people have not given him credit, and it's not just this year. It's for the, you know, since he's been here. E- either he was hurt or his players were hurt or Saquon was hurt. You know, you're talking about a young quarterback, and all of a sudden he uses loses uh, arguably, not arguably, certainly one of the best running backs in the league with a serious injury. I- I- Again, gets no credit. Start giving them the credit now because they're not there without Daniel Jones. You can bet your ass on that one. Again, two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the number. Let's go to Rhode Island. I just
3: wanted to give uh, you one minute to, if you wanted to talk about Franco Harris.
0: Oh, we will do that. But let's, okay. get, let's get into Caleb right now, okay? Let's go, uh, again, down to Rhode Island. Caleb?
1: Hey, guys. What's up? How you doing? Hi. Hey, a long-time listener, first-time caller, um, huge Giants fan. It's funny, you were just touching on Daniel Jones. Um, That's what I wanted to talk about. I didn't hear the full podcast yesterday, but I wanted to talk about, I want to touch on two things. One thing, Daniel Jones, and then the next thing, the similarities with our 2007 and 2011 team. On Sunday, the Gano, you know the first field goal Gano hit, the 50-yarder.
2: He hit two of them.
1: Yeah, he had two of them, but the first one, I think it was third and 15, Paul, you probably know, third Mm -hmm. and 16, Daniel Jones, his smartness, he scrambled. Ten-yard run, yep. Yeah, ten-yard run, gets him in field goal range, he lowered his shoulder to get to that 50-yard spot, and like you guys said, this guy gets no credit, and then in the second half, yeah, Saquon had all those nice runs with the spin moves, but then Daniel Jones, does the, read, does the option, comes outside, gets that first out, shoulder tramples the guy.
2: Mm-hmm. I think we lost put no, no, there's, runs, back back. The,
1: runs back to the huddle, doesn't even say a word. It's just, he's impressed me so much. You know, I hear Giants fans the first three years he was here, they're all complaining about him, just like when Eli was there. It's so similar. And uh, he was our best player the last three years. Every time he was healthy, we were in games. Even when we played the Chiefs. Uh, last year it was twenty to seventeen. Hey,
0: Caleb, no, he, he... you, you you bring out uh, and and thank you for the call. You, but you bring out a very good point. Not just the Chiefs last year. If you remember, games two and three last year, he was leading the team to victory when mm-hmm. the defense couldn't hold him at the very end of the game. You know,
2: two games. I tell people all the time: if you're after a fantasy football quarterback for your stupid games, you're going to want somebody else. Okay. You want fantasy football numbers? Go get somebody else. You want to win a game on the field on Sunday? Go ahead and take Daniel Jones. And that's how I feel. And I and I I'm telling you, folks, that's just the way it is. He is not going to put up ESPN Sports Center highlights every week. He's not going to be flashy. And he is not going to run the fantasy football numbers through the roof. He's not going to do that. So if you equate quality to fantasy football, God bless you. Keep playing fantasy football. If you want to talk about the real NFL, then Daniel Jones is going to be in your conversation. Now, I will tell you something else about that scramble. Talking to Gano after the game, he had said to me, he told Dable, 52, max fifty-three, was as close as they had to get or as as in and the best field position right. they were going to need to be in for him to kick a field goal. So when you talk about that 10-yard scramble by Jones when he lowered his shoulder and he fought his way forward for the last couple of yards, think about that. It
0: resulted in a
2: 50-yard field goal.
0: He knew. He knew how close he had to get to give Gano a chance. Well, if you're ever watching, and I know you you do, but I, I watch him. I make it a point to watch him every week, especially when they're at home. He measures religiously, where he needs to be, what he Great has to do. Great field awareness. All the time. And
2: anybody, I I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting upset now, okay? Because you got these these amateur coaches on Twitter who clip something from the old 22, one or two plays out of 65 snaps in a game, and say, oh, Daniel Jones missed the wide-open receiver. He has no field vision. He's got no presence. Stick it. OK, stick it somewhere where you know what, because that's a bunch of crap. But Pearson, this guy understands the game and knows his field position.
0: Pearson. Watch the games, people. Pe- Pearson, do you remember prior to us going on the Man. air? He was talking as so the voice of reason yes. and level headed. Yes. Stick it exactly I'm, where I'm <laughs> in the back of the broom closet. OK. <laughs> Come on, man.
2: Uh, uh, well, look. The guy's a field general, and if you don't see that with your own eyes when you're watching the game, then you don't understand the game.
0: No, that, that's for sure. But listen, uh, Pearson brought it up earlier, and we'd be remiss. And you, my friend, who I know is a uh, football historian and have a great fondness. You for, know the
2: charts that I, that yeah, I keep. I'm th- no, no,
0: uh, not joking around. A, a fondness for the NFL. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Franco Harris. Oh, my. I, I, I was w- so w- sad. W- when I s- heard that this morning, I said, Franco Harris. I, I, first of all, I didn't even know if there was a health problem or anything. We, had, we just saw him recently. He yeah. was on the radio last night
2: on Sirius XM talking about the Immaculate Reception. They're going to retire his number on Saturday. Was that a tape? No, it was it was if it was taped earlier in the day maybe, but it was yeah. done and, yesterday. And the, and the exa- uh, 72
0: years old. Uh, the Immaculate Reception is um uh, 50 years old. Yeah.
2: I mean 50 years old. Wow. On the 23rd of this month, they were going to retire uh, his and number for on, a second on time, Saturday for
0: a second time.
2: I was crushed by it because I'd never met Franco Harris, but always admired him from afar. And every single person who's ever talked about him to me during my 40 years covering this league always said the kindest things about him. What a class act and a great person. And obviously, I mean, his credentials Uh, on uh, the uh, field speak for itself. A great
0: running back. Speak for itself. Just really the whole package. I I guarantee you. uh, Condolences
2: to the whole Steeler family for sure.
0: And the city of Pittsburgh, because I can guarantee you that. You know, Franco's army. They're all in mourning today. Uh, We lost a great football player. More important, we lost a great person. So as Paul says, condolences to Steeler Nation and the city of Pittsburgh and and all of Franco Harris's fans and to uh, our condolences to his family as well. 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's take care of a little business before we continue on with the phone lines. And Giant fans, make sure uh, before you... Um, make sure to go and subscribe to the Giants Huddle Podcast. The podcast features for you a rapid reaction right after each and every game with one of our analysts, an episode midweek featuring an interview with a national analyst, and then, of course, a game preview featuring a long-form interview with the current Giants. Um, uh, where, where are we? Current... Uh, well, I
2: know I know. there's something on there with Coach Dable. Uh,
0: opponent. Opponent. A play, where are coach we? Dable's on oh, that? You know what? We, got a, we a, have, we have an opponent's a media giant person. player and exclusive sit-down with Bob Papa yeah. and head coach Brian Dable. And an opponent preview of that week's opponent. So search for Giants Huddle on your favorite podcast platform or listen to the Giants app or at Giants.com. .com/podcast.
2: I worked you up a little too much. That's what happened. well You, you, you lost you, your place
0: no, cuz I worked you up with the excitement and intensity. Well, just that you kind of knocked Pearson and myself over when you were talking about, you know, people get too excited and this and that and you're the, you know, the voice of reason as always. Let facts speak for themselves, baby. The tape doesn't lie. Let, I hope you live to hundred years old on the tombstone. Stick it where the sun don't shine. No, no. Stick it in the back of the broom closet. In the back of the broom there closet. There you go. alright three nine four five one three is the number. Let's go to Queens and check in with Cameron. Hello, Cameron. You're on with Russ and Paul.
1: Hey, thanks for taking the call. Hi. Uh, you made some good points about Daniel Jones. It's, it's very unfair for anyone to really make a comment with, no really help with receivers. And we haven't seen a, a thousand yard receiver since Odell Beckham in 2018. And I probably account that to maybe Dave Geddaman coming in and focusing more on a rush offense. Uh, my question really is being what do you see the wide receiver room being like next year? Do you think they bring back someone like Isaiah Hodgins, who's doing a good job for us? Well, I,
0: I, I, I'll, I'll let Paul give his opinion. I. I I think that remains to be seen. We don't know what's going to happen for a couple of reasons. A, all of a sudden Joe Shane's going to have money to deal with, which he had zero money to deal with this year with the cap situation. And B, you don't know what they're going to be drafting. But I definitely, you, you got to believe that um, wide receivers room is going to be have a lot of new faces in it next year. Yeah, season. I would think Hodgins makes it back. Yeah, they I would brought th- him down for Buffalo. I, I, I would so think so, but... I think so. I mean, now you just... Listen, we thought about what the receiver core was going to be this year, and we know that's not even close. Remember, we got to have Wondell Robinson coming back. Uh, we don't know who else, who they're going to go well, after. Slayton's so, an unrestricted uh, free
2: agent, so you uh, don't know if yeah, he'll you, resign. Yeah, you don't know. But I do think you you can count on Wondell Robinson, and I, I think you're going to be able to count on Hodgins. But after those two guys, I honestly do not yeah. know who the wide receivers will be here next year. We don't even know about Sterling Shepard, who's got to make another injury comeback.
0: Yeah, yeah, Sterling, and, and listen, I mean, we love the guy. No, nobody likes him more than we do. But remember, Sterling was coming back this year at a real cheap rate to be able to prove himself again to play for a contract for next year. Well, then he gets hurt, so now he's doing This year, all over again. I know. Next year, it's a very difficult and awkward situation. I know they love him. They love his leadership. They love his enthusiasm. Uh, The the entire, you saw it in training camp and preseason, his energy. It's been all there. But again, and and Slayton, you don't know. Like in fairness to Slayton, Slayton's back on damn near a minimum uh, salary to come back. And play this year, and, you know, that's what he had to do to come back and Mm -hmm. do his credit. Again, he's another guy who's played his butt off um,
2: and you know the leading receiver on this team right now is Richie James.
0: Yeah, Richie James. Of all
2: the guys in the receivers room, he's got the most productivity, and he is going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Yeah,
0: well, to me, Richie? Yeah,
1: but some of those stats might be a little bit hidden because some of the garbage time uh, he had some re- receptions and yards. I understand. Sure. But, no, no. I understand. I understand. I, I give him credit. I
3: give him credit. Last game he showed up to play, I... and I'm
0: you, happy. To he, look, you know what, Cameron, you're right. Last week, I, and I kind, I kind of feel the way you do. He's to me, he's more of a punt returner, a kickoff. Returner than that, uh, but uh, he made some big plays last week, none bigger than fourth and nine. Right. Nothing bigger than fourth and ninth. You know, think nine. about
2: this. We're discussing the Giants' thin receivers room, and Daniel Jones has authored five fourth quarter winning drives. Yeah. Think about that for a second. But, but Daniel hey, Jones me. isn't hey, good me. enough for some people. Let, let's just put that out there again. For some people, that's just not good enough. Five fourth quarter game winning drives. Oh, excuse me.
0: Sorry,
1: that's uh, great. I thought
0: I Cameron, you there? I'll tell you why, Cameron. You broke. You broke up on us. If you want, give us a call back. We'll try and get you back up. But the uh, the phone line connection is not good. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three two zero nine four five uh two nine three nine four five one three. You know, the thing about Daniel Jones now and again, you know. Here the Giants are on the doorstep, if you will, of getting into the postseason. And really, I don't think, I'm, I'm sorry, and, and if we're going off on it a bit now, so be it, but he has taken a beating time and time again. And not, I, that's why I said he's the, Dan, he's the Rodney Dangerfield of the NFL. He gets no respect. You know, it's all great to say when people would say, well, come on now, uh, let's open this up, open that up. What, what, what are we talking about, opening up a beer with a can opener? Let's see here. Y- you got to have what to open up what with.
2: Giants have taken the fifth most sacks in the NFL,
0: 44 sacks,
2: 44 in 14 games. Yeah, I mean, you know. And that doesn't even include the hits. Again, he's up there not only in sacks but in quarterback hits. Cousins has taken the most quarterback hits, um, but he's also, uh, the Vikings have allowed the sixth most sacks in the league at 41. Well, okay. So, again, you know, we want to talk about how can the Giants determine a path to victory in this game? Well, we know Minnesota's defense is, is tissue paper-like. So what you want is to control time of possession because you know that Minnesota's offense is extremely explosive. Cook is dynamite. You know He's up there in Barkley's class in terms of the running backs in this league. He can beat you on the ground or through the air. You know Cousins has incredible weapons that can beat you through the air, so you do want to minimize the opportunities that they're going to have to score. So you want to control the ball. You want to do that with Barkley. You want him to hopefully run for 120, 130 yards and have one of those games. Control the clock get after cousins derail him they say you you the best way to kill a snake is to cut the head off the snake well get after cousins with that resurgence of the pass rush and quite frankly folks
0: win the turnover battle because cousins will give it up but but that's the point he will give it up get the turnover that is the point that's how they got started last week get the not total. only got started that's how they kind of saved the game yeah too
1: yeah with
2: two goal line stands in the final six and a half minutes one was because of a takeaway and then the other one was because of just you know incredible defense and some fortuitous situations no, as I, we all know
0: I, I, uh, uh how do you what kind of score are we looking at this week if you would you know
2: <sighs> you you, you got to figure it's going to take the winning the winning team is going to score probably around 30 points Now, can the Giants score 30? Here's what I would say. That's not likely. It's been quite a while since the Giants have done that. They're going to have to control the time of possession and make enough of key plays, big plays on defense, to not only keep Minnesota out of the end zone, but also to get some takeaways to set up some easy scores. If the Giants are going to win this game, it's got to be 28-24. 27-23. Twenty-seven, twenty-three. It's going to have to be that way. Minnesota gets into the 30s. I don't know how the Giants uh, could be expected to keep up with them.
0: No, I, I again... Um... Right? 30, to me, is asking a lot, but we'll see what happens. I mean, one thing we know whether is not going to be a factor. It might be a factor getting there and getting out of there, but it won't be a factor with the roof on for the game.
4: What's up? I'm John Wall.
3: And
0: I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by
3: DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year,
0: Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the number. Let's go back to Queens, cause Cameron, we said to give us a call back, and hopefully we got a better connection. You there, Cameron?
1: Yeah, I'm here. All right. So- uh, I just want to want to talk about the uh, maybe similarity to the, the Coughlin coaching regime uh, with the Tate Crowder. At least it, it seems like they have a kind of strict policy, and they don't want any distractions in the locker room. Uh, do you guys like how they're performing?
2: No, that, that, the Jake Crowder release is because
0: Jake Crowder... And th- it, thanks for the call, Cam.
2: It had nothing to do with what he put out on social media no, where he felt no. like he wasn't getting used. His role diminished because there were other players who better fit the scheme and were doing more with their production. Jake Crowder did not have a technically sound tackling form. You know, he would hit guys, but he wouldn't always wrap them up. Right. So we had trouble with missed tackles. That doesn't happen with Jalen
0: Smith. Have you seen Jalen Smith tackle? He hits you like a ton of bricks. Well, I, I have to tell you, you know, certainly this past week the tackling was improved because that has been a problem. H- had been a problem. Go back and
2: take a look at the Robinson one-yard touchdown plunge that was pulled off by the illegal formation. He charges the line of scrimmage, takes the handoff, and he's going straight for the line to take the plunge. And Jalen Smith, like he was shot out of a cannon like Thibodeau, meets him head on. And and Robinson falls forward. He just has the ball break the plane. And Jalen Smith just crushes him and bends him backwards. That's the kind of hitter that Jalen Smith is. Tay Crowder's not going to make that play, with all due respect. He's not as big a hitter as Smith. He certainly doesn't wrap up as well as Smith, and he's subject to missed tackles. He also did not take very good angles quite often Hmm. and and misdiagnosed a lot of plays. Tay Crowder was a great story, Mr. Irrelevant, gave them some stuff on special teams, got promoted into the starting lineup, but the Giants were always looking, if they could, for an upgrade. They have found an upgrade. We, we've seen McFadden play inside. We've seen Landon Collins get some reps. Right. I mean, the Giants were looking for just better general overall production from the position. That's why Tay Crowder lost his spot. That's why he wasn't getting any snaps. And that's why he's
0: not here now. 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's also talk about, you know, people like to ask questions. We're not talking about a high draft pick. Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, he was the yeah, final yeah,
2: pick in the draft. Right, and you, God bless him, you know, by no, the way. Uh, 100%, great kid. Good, terrific. Tremendous attitude. Again, started out on special teams, understood that the world didn't owe him anything. And we got almost three years yeah, we got out th- of that we got career. three
0: years. He,
2: and he might even land somewhere else because he can't play special teams. W-
0: w- Wink was, you know, and Wink's terrific. We, everybody knows how we feel about Wink Martindale. But He wasn't one. Never really fit into Wink and not a great fit for the scheme. No, just not. (laughs) Not at all. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the number. Back to the phone lines and back down to Maryland to our old friend Len. Hello, Len. You're on with Russ and Paul. Hey guys, how you doing? Good, Len. How you doing? Were you in the stadium the other night? Good, good. I'm sorry.
2: Were you there? Yes. There was a lot of blue.
4: (laughs) It It was. Yeah. You know, but you've been there. You've been there before, Paul, and that's as usual. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of transplanted folks uh, down this way. And I yeah, know you helped
2: make guys. it loud because it was loud. There were chants of defense oh, and yeah. let's go oh, Giants. Yeah.
4: Oh, my goodness.
2: Yeah, yeah. Defense.
4: How about that? How about that? Boy, that took me That took me back to the 60s.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah. The chance of defense. Listen, um, you know, your, your best players, Making big plays at crunch time, you got a good shot to win. Uh, it was just, it was just good to see the, the guys I would call the stars, just, just, just making big plays. I mean, that's 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 how you win. Hey, listen, a couple of shout outs if you love for a little couple of different reasons. A shout out to um, Saquon. You know the difference between Saquon Barkley's blocking his first two years in the league and this year. I mean, it's just monumental. Saquon, I mean, he's just sticking his nose in there. He's hes doing a really good job on the blocking, not just the ship blocking. He's standing in there and blocking, and I appreciate that from Saquon. You remember his first two years, a lot of criticism about his lack mm-hmm. of blocking.
2: That's he- a very astute observation, Lan. I've actually had talking, I've talked to the assistant coaches about it, and I said I think it's gone unnoticed, but the biggest improvement in Saquon Barkley this year, aside from his health, is his ability to pick up guys in the backfield.
4: Yeah. He, yep, he's absolutely.
2: now not a liability there anymore.
4: Absolutely. Jason Pinnock. Um man, what a what a find. Um you know safety's got to be able to tackle. And one thing Pinnock will do, he'll get he, you on the ground.
0: Yes he, he will. Jeez. He does. Uh, and oh my and goodness. in oh. fact uh, the other day uh Brian Dable singled that out about Pinnock.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, um, Wink Martindale is very big on guys who hit and tackle. He's a big guy on tackling form. He can't stand missed tackles. Is it any wonder the Giants have the fewest missed tackles of any team in the NFL this season? And they've been right at the top of that list almost all year. That's a Wink Martindale specialty.
0: Listen to what Paul just said, Len. Uh, Wink Wink is big on guys tackling and, and, and hitting. This is yeah. this is the NFL. It's not the old NFL. It's like a new yeah, thing: man. tackling and hitting. It's right, you go. It, it's crazy. Oh right, God. right. Yes, yes, indeed. Miss tackles yeah, yes, are indeed. an epidemic in this league. I remember a few years ago, I was watching. Uh, in, I think it was Inside the NFL. Uh, well, you know, maybe it's more than a few years ago. And Chris Collinsworth was, was when he was still doing it. And he asked LT was on it, and LT said about. Uh, you know the, the way defenses are played today, and LT said, "Is that what they're doing? <laughs> is, is that what they're doing? They're playing defense." <laughs> okay, you know what? What yeah. LT say? Hey, hey. De- de- defense is when you hit somebody and snot bubbles come out of their nose. <laughs> right, right. That was Lawrence Taylor. Go ahead, Len. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. I'd like I like you. I like a, a comment from both of you on the following. Um, you know, this, this was a huge win. And, you know, if you say in the moment, you say it's a huge win in 2022, you know, on the road division. But, Paulie, and Russ, I, I got a different feeling about this win. Five years from now, we're going to be talking about that night at that stadium. I, I think it's just – I think it's a turning point. Um, if we'd have lost this game, we we're on a downhill spiral – who knows what happens. Everybody's negative. We're talking about, should we sign? Should we not sign people? Uh, Who are we going to draft? We blew this trade, etc. I just think there was something special about that win on Sunday, long term. well, Uh, I don't want to use the word, I don't want to use franchise changing, but long term is going to be important. And then if you would, just one line on Leonard Williams. I'd like your opinion on that. But Leonard Williams, my God, when it gets to the fourth quarter, he's just a different football player. I, I love that. I'm a, I'm a fourth-quarter guy. Mm-hmm. I like guys who come through in the fourth quarter. Leonard, you know, I mean, he's having a nice game, nothing spectacular. And then all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, this guy turns it on. I don't know if we're going to be able to keep Leonard. But, man, I just appreciate the work he does, particularly late in the game. The guy's a winner.
2: Yeah, the they're, going, they're win. going to have to redo his contract yeah, that's and extend that. him. And, yeah. that, and, and that'll take some sit-down and conversation. But we agree with you on Leonard. Uh, Len, we're going to answer your uh, yeah, co- th- question th- th- off th- th- the air. Th- Thanks, Thank Len. You.
0: Go ahead. Uh, and, uh, this may
2: be a defining game for this administration i hope it is there are two other games that come to mind immediately for me that basically set the giants on the path to what was going to be a several year run of contention in 1981 the giants went down to atlanta fulton county stadium and they hadn't been a postseason team since ya tittle
0: don't go back too long only 41 years but that's well
2: i'm teasing you go ahead and ray perkins is the coach and they beat Atlanta in overtime by three on a a Danilo field goal in the mud and a torrential hurricane and downpour in what was just an absolute pigsty slop of a field. Right. That was the William Andrews and Steve Bartkowski Atlanta Falcons. They were really good. They were a bona fide contender. And the Giants go and beat them in their building, in the slop, I said I told Brian Kelly this, one of the Giants great linebackers of the time. I'll never forget, I said to him, that's when I knew the Giants were going to be a playoff team. Up until then, I never thought I'd see the day. Because growing up as a kid, I never had the chance to see it. Right. That's when I knew this team has the real ability to be a playoff team. And of course, that 81 team with Perkins was just the beginning of an era that two years later led to Parcell's who then continued after he picked up the baton and led the Giants to two Super Bowls. The other, quote, turning point in a new era of Giants football, I still believe, was the last game of Eli Manning's rookie season when he beats the Dallas Cowboys. And John Mara always has said, I knew then, when they he called that Audible for Tiki Barber, on a run up the middle, and he scores a touchdown on the final play of the game to beat the Cowboys. And John Maris said, coming off the field, I knew then we had our franchise quarterback. Those are two games that fit that description for me, Len. And I don't know if this past game will turn out to be the same way, but it's got a possibility.
0: No, I I will agree with that in terms of, well, first of all, just getting back to Len asking about this past week, uh, you know, in, in D.C. You and I were talking about it last week going into the game, and the attitude was they needed to win that game for two reasons. One, you know, it it enhances their chances greatly about getting into the playoffs as a loss would have, you know, certainly decreased their chances. But the other thing was, and we said it, Paul, they needed to win to stop the bleeding. To put a tourniquet on the hemorrhage. Right. They needed just so everybody could feel good. There was starting to of be questions about not questions within the locker room, but just, you know, when you're losing, that's what people talk about. That they question are they this good, are they that good? Are are, are they an overachieving team? Do, do they deserve? You know, I mean, Chris Collinsworth said it on the air the other night. Uh, not knocking them. He felt that they were overachieving this year. That's not a bad thing to say. They were ravaged by injuries, ravaged by, by a lot. But they're um, they're here. They're here now. And since we're talking about D.C., I'll tell you a turning point. I'll go back to... Um, You're going to go back to 86? No, When no, caught the no, touchdown no, pass I, I, in, in I'm, Washington? No, I'm going back to 2008. After... Getting smacked by Dallas in the open of 45 35, after getting thumped by Green Bay in the second game, 35 13, when everybody was killing a defense that was like, what's going to happen? 80 plus points and 800 yards of offense on the other team. They're in Washington, and and they're losing. Kavika Mitchell, goal line stand. 17 3, I believe it was at halftime, and the Giants win the game 24 17. That. Was the turning point in that season? Because if they go to zero and three at that season, you don't know what was going to. That's two thousand seven. What did I say? Two thousand eight. Well, I'm yeah. Two thousand seven. Right. See, but but to
2: me, to me, um, that kind of came after Eli doing what he did because they had to determine, you know, is Eli the guy? Right. And and they knew in the last game of his rookie season in in two thousand four that he was the guy when they walked off the field. John Maris said, I knew right then he was the guy. And that that kind of flipped the page on the era of Giants football, which they became contenders.
4: What's up? I'm John Wall.
2: And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new
3: podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year, Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Because remember, the next year they made the playoffs.
0: Yeah, no, you you know, listen, uh, Ernie Corsi would say all the time, you you know, that's why you picked Eli Manning. Because you pick your quarterback, exactly what John was saying, if he's the guy to take you down the field when you needed it to happen Mm -hmm. he he, they were he wasn't enamored with this that or that's that what happens you know that's the you know in the in the um world of analytics today it's not just in 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 football it's in baseball it's in all of them it's that intangible can you look in a guy's eyes or look look at the hair on his neck and see how he feels
2: exactly russ And by the way, is there any fantasy football league that anybody knows of that gives you extra points for that? No. No, but that's the most valuable trait and asset a quarterback can have. That's what GMs look for. But fantasy football doesn't care about that. They want 450 yards. That's what they
0: want. It's the same thing. You know, uh, I I want a guy, I want a quarterback who wants the ball in his hands – with everything on the line and you're down six on a final drive. I want a receiver who wants the quarterback to throw him the ball. I want a field goal kicker who wants that chance with everything on the line. If you're in baseball and you're down three in the bottom of the ninth, I want the guy who wants to squeeze that bat handle when he's getting up. If you're down two in a basketball game, you know, the Magic Johnsons, those kind of people in the Jordans and what, yeah, we're talking about the elite or if it's the, you know, Kevin Durant. Or whatever, they want the ball when it's all there. That's not a statistic. That's a fact. That's an intangible fact. You can't teach it's that. It's called clutch. You, you gotta want that. That's what it's called.
2: Yeah. No, really. Hell, you, you know, we were talking about Aaron Judge before. You talk about Yankees over the years. Two of the greatest clutch Yankees ever were Lou Piniella and Thurman Munson. Yeah. Okay? I mean, you wanted them up with the Game-winning run on second base and two outs in the ninth. Those are the two guys you wanted up because those were the guys who were going to be able to knock them in.
0: No, you you know, it's... Do you want the running back who's queasy or you want the running back who wants to run straight ahead? Speaking of running straight ahead, you and I touched on that when we had our phone conversation. Saquon, what a difference this past week. I mean, we love Saquon. He's feeling better. But... and, and he's go you know listen he's a strong son of a gun and when he's plowing into that line like i i, I always say spin move isn't he, so bad either you no know. <laughs> no give me that give me that two yard gain give me that three yard gain because you know what second and uh second and seven or second and eight is a lot better than second and 13 or second and 12 it's a big difference and he was plowing straight ahead
2: In the fourth quarter, he ran off three consecutive plays. When they needed it, he ran off three consecutive runs uh, for a combined, I think it was 40 yards, and totally flipped the field, totally stole the momentum away from the commanders. And even though the Giants had to settle for a field goal on that drive, it made it an eight-point game, which meant that Washington could not come down and take the lead. They were going to need six plus two just to force the game into overtime. His ability there to not only grind out that yardage, but to milk the clock was very, very significant.
0: So so let me ask you, I'll ask the callers this, uh, the fans as well, 201-939-4513 is the number. When it was 20-12 to and they're driving, um, are you saying to what I'm saying to myself, I can't believe we're dealing with another tie again. A very potential tie. When the Giants got the ball oh before Saquon God. ran it three
2: times, uh I talked to John Paul Gonzalez, who's the Bible study guy for the team. We were on the sideline together. And I looked at him and I said, You know what's gonna happen here, right? Uh they're gonna they're not gonna get the touchdown that seals the game. Because the touchdown, the game's over. Right. It's over. It's gonna be a field goal. It's going to be twenty to twelve, and then something stupid's going to happen, and it almost did. Dotson caught a sixty-one right. yard pass. Something stupid's going to happen, and they're going to tie this game, and it's going to go twenty twenty into overtime. I could just feel it in my bones, and fortunately, um, the Giants didn't have to go to overtime to win
0: this one. Oh, I, I, I'll tell you, that. when it's twenty to twelve, I'm saying I can't believe this is going. I mean. Wh- what are the chances of? I mean, th- everybody thought it was nuts to talk about the possibility going into the game, but you're looking at 20 to 12 in the last. Minutes of the game, and I'm saying, oh, my the goodness.
2: The 61-yard grab by Dotson was just an oh,
0: incredible yeah, catch. Yeah, I absolutely fell off the couch watching that's that. That's what happens when you have elite receivers. Well, that's why I said, what would it be like for Daniel Jones if he was throwing to Dotson, if he was throwing to McLaurin, who, by the way, McLaurin to me is terrific. He's really good. Oh my. He's
2: really good. <laughs> and again, Dotson's not to sneeze at either. Him, you got McLaurin, you got Samuel, you got Dotson. You
0: know? That's a pretty good trio right there that Heineke has to throw to. Yeah, I mean that. that listen, uh, you gotta have the people to throw to. You gotta have people to, who are gonna catch the Make ball. Make
2: plays for your quarterback. Make play play above the. Dan Reeves always used to say, you gotta find guys who are gonna play above the X's and the O's. That sometimes is gonna be the difference in the game. You'd like like it not to have to be. You'd like to just plan it out easy. Everything goes according to your blueprint, and you
0: just walk away with a win. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes you've got to play above the X's and the O's. Speaking of defining moments, uh, let's talk about a defining, defining moment in that game. Fourth and nine. Fourth and nine, and and uh, Daniel just drills a bullet that squeezed in there, too. By the way, Richie James made a terrific catch on it. And, and, I mean, how, talk about a huge first down. Let me ask you something that we have not talked
2: about off the air, and Russ and I do talk an awful lot off the air, but much to your chagrin, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> okay. Pearson can think attest of, to that. Think
2: about this for a second, and, Pearson, you can chime in if you like to. They always tell you that throwing the ball in the middle of the field, between the hash marks, between the numbers even, if you will, can be a very dangerous proposition. Daniel Jones has been throwing balls across the middle all season yeah, long. Yes, he has. And he's been accurate in doing so in some very tight spots, literally hitting the tip of a dart by acing that throw right where it has to be. He's even had guys drop passes that were thrown right to them, right across the middle. I have, I have not seen, and I'm, I'm going to be frank with you, folks, I can't remember seeing a Giants quarterback, and and Eli did it on occasion, but who could consistently throw the ball across the middle on a dime. It's, Folks, you don't understand the proficiency that Jones has had on those types of throws. That is not easy to do, and it's incredibly dangerous.
0: It's it's interesting that you bring that up. Do you agree? Not only do I agree, but it's to me it's remarkable but i also think it's got to do it, it, he deserves a lot of credit for that because again he's not throwing to the type of receivers we're talking about like on the commanders or who um uh cousins yeah. gets the throw he doesn't have through. any skyscrapers either no 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 not at all and um uh the, the one thing it's it's funny he has been more precise In his across-the-middle passing. Than the outside. The the little outside, but yeah. Pearson, you on board with this or no?
3: Yeah, and I'd say just big shout-out to uh, Coach Johnson, too, because when Daniel has time, he's really good across the middle.
0: Yeah, no doubt. No, really, really good
3: across
2: the middle. And so many things can go wrong when you try to throw down the middle of the field. You could get a ball picked off. You could get a ball deflected. You know, you could get a ball batted down at the line of scrimmage. So
0: many things can go wrong. And don't forget, none of those balls across the middle are going to Kenny Galladay, who is another guy they were hoping the ball would be going to. You
2: know, in most cases,
0: you know, earlier in the season, some of them going to Sterling
2: Shepard. He's a rather diminutive guy. Richie James catches a bunch of those. And
0: he's not seven foot. You know, know, he's a small guy. if, If you recall, the last ball, I think, thrown to Kenny Galladay was that one across the middle where it was right in his hands, he dropped. And that that enhanced the problems. You, you know, I think that totally has given him a, a complete lack of you confidence and So, so
2: next time the amateur coaches out there want to go to the All-22 and put stuff up on Twitter, why don't you give me a compilation of all the darts that Daniel Jones has thrown in the middle of the field? Why don't you put that tape up there? Okay? Cuz you can find plenty of those folks, plenty.
0: But as I say to you, why are you getting so agitated over Twitter? You to- to spend too much time on Twitter is maniacal. It makes everybody crazy. And No, that, listen, I say it sarcastically, but I, 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 I've i said it here. I said it last week. If I wasn't in this business, I wouldn't I would be on, be be on social media. I wouldn't media. be on it either.
2: But we're, we're trying to serve the fans. We're yes. trying to make sure that the fans understand and have a clear picture of what's going on because there's too much blurriness out there. And we're trying to give him the clear picture. We want you to focus, folks. We don't want you to consume blurriness.
3: I like Carl, Carl Banks' tweet after every game when he's like, Daniel Jones, slander, go.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Pearson, right? No, but it's it's true. I, it, it's I, out there. The blurriness is out there. I, I, I call him, again, I will say it till I'm blue in the face, he is the, the, the Ronnie Dangerfield of the NFL. And I know there are other guys who don't get respect. But it's been continuous all season long, and and the you know when they were six and one everything was fine, and, and, and you know as Paul alluded to five fourth quarter leading the team with five uh, five fourth quarter drives for victories, but then you know there's problems, and it you know it's we know the quarterback gets too much credit, the quarterback gets too much heat. We know it comes with the territory. It's the most important position in all of sports. Without question. I don't care if you're a hockey fan, baseball fan. They're the most difficult to play. What, yeah, without question. But really, you know, then it's it's what should we do? You hear talk radio. Nah, maybe Daniel would be better off going someplace else. I just, no, no. You know, and, and quite frankly, it's not just fans. It's people within the media. Because pe- there's nothing sexier than a quarterback controversy. You know, or mm-hmm. any kind of quarterback mishmash. That's it. You know, media just eats it up. We've been through enough of them. We've seen it here. We've seen it with the Jets. We see it with them now. I mean, it, they just eat it up. And then, and then when you eat it up, it feeds into the fans and it feeds into Twitter and it feeds into Instagram and all the social media. But Daniel Jones has solidified it uh, to me. There is no if, ands, or buts about it. Again, I will say it. Daniel Jones is the quarterback for this year. He's the quarterback for the Big Blue for next year, and he's the quarterback for the Big Blue for years after that. Why? Because he's damn good. That's why. And all we want to do now is, you know, John Maris said it. At the day Joe Shane was introduced, you were standing there with me. He said, we've done everything we could to screw it up for this kid. Now we want to give him some stability, and he's got that stability within the coaching staff. Now he needs the stability with the right personnel.
2: You know, the Giants have had basically emotionally, I'll put it that way because I know that they could have lost last week, just like Washington lost that game, but they're still mathematically alive. If they win right. their last three games, they're in. Right. Okay. Which, by the way, was another misnomer put out there by the writers. Okay. It was not a must win last week. Yes, emotionally it was, but mathematically it no, was no. not. A,
0: a must win means there's no tomorrow. Right.
2: That's it, it, it means if you lose, you no longer control your destiny. Yeah. But Okay. N- it's out of your hands. That was not the case last week. We told people that, too, if they listened to the program. All right. Washington and the Giants, if they both win out their last three games, they're both going to the playoffs. Okay? Just just Washington fans, just so you know, you can still get in. Here's the point. Daniel Jones has had two, quote, emotional must-wins since he's been here. There was two years ago against Dallas in the last regular season game, the Giants had to win to then watch Philly wind up Laying down, if you will, not, not
0: what if you will. They laid. Down. I'm trying to be nice, right?
2: Okay, but the Giants had to beat Dallas here at home in what was a virtual playoff game.
0: I, I, and I, what did Daniel Jones do? No, and not not only that. If you remember last week, going into the game, people were saying to Daniel Jones, "Have you, you know, what's it like to be playing in a yeah, must-win?" They game? all forgot that, and he brought it up. Well, no, hold on a second. I did it a couple of years That's ago, right. same time, same place. I right. did it a couple of years ago. We had to do that. It doesn't matter. You know, your record, it was a point of trying to get in. We had to win. And
2: it, it was a, that was a must win. Yeah, you know, okay?
0: exactly right. Again, blurry information out there, folks.
2: Perceptions and blurry information. People just don't really want to deal with the facts or the truth. So anyway, Daniel wins that game. Okay, so now, again, this past weekend, supposedly an emotional must win, and he won that game. What more? What what more do you want? Seriously, in his the two most important games of his career, he performed well enough to be a winner. He did not choke in either game, which, quite frankly, many quarterbacks in that spot will choke you, you, and will
0: lose the game for you. You, you, you know, folks, um, if we can take you, if you can visualize inside. Uh, the Giants locker room, uh, you can see his stature in that locker room, the way he walks around, the way he's perceived, uh, you know, by his fellow teammates, and it's uncanny. Listen, I remember the day, the day the switch was made from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones. I remember sitting in the dining room and... You you weren't sitting with me at the time. I I don't believe. And there comes nobody else is around. There in comes Eli, walking with Daniel, and the sitting down. And you know, like I said, there's Mm -hmm. the past. There's the future, and it's uncanny the disposition, the comparable dispositions (laughs) to two guys. (laughs) It
2: is amazing. It it
0: real. You You swear they're related, right? Especially if you know them. It it's like, huh? I mean, like, you, you, you're seeing a little more of Eli's personality now with the stuff that he's doing. We never got to see that. It was your head down, walking mm-hmm. business, not doing a lot of talking. And Daniel is very much, very much. He's kind of like the fourth Manning yeah. yeah he really no, is. he really is. He, he's very <laughs> much that way. But he goes about his business. And you want to talk, when they talk about toughness, you know, toughness. I mean, his toughness. It's uh, on. The, forget the exterior. Ex- Eli Manning was the same way. Eli was opie from Mayberry on the outside. On the inside, he was fire. Well, and Rock of Gibraltar, and, and, and Daniel's the same way. Think about how much more Daniel runs than Eli. Well, because you know
2: Eli was no, not no, running. No, no. no. Okay, I, as Parcells Daniel-
0: would say, I won't exactly call him Barishnikov.
2: Right. Exactly. <laughs> And, and to be frank with you, and I know my my number one guy, Phil Sims, is is all for Daniel Jones running and says that you've got less of a chance to get hurt outside the pocket than in the pocket because you, you when you're in the pocket, you get blindsided and you don't expect it and you can get crunched. At least if you're running, you can brace yourself for it and you know you're going to get hit. So that's Phil's rationale and reasoning, and I appreciate it. Phil, you're the greatest man. You know how I feel, but... I still get very queasy when I see the quarterback taking off on a bunch of these runs. I've often said I would never want my quarterback to run more than four design runs during the course of a game. But having said that, the point is, back to what you said a moment ago, you can't question Daniel's toughness because he runs a lot, and he takes a lot of hits, not just quarterback hits in the pocket, but a lot of hits when he's running, and he gets back up every time.
0: Well, I agree with you on that. I I would just say, yeah, you you would only want uh, Paul would only want his quarterback running like that maybe three or four times, except when it's on the line and he's got to make that first down and run through. Then this, we, then go then they'll go get me those ten yards. But but this the team the point, needs him to run right now. But the point is. They've needed him to run all season long, yeah. and he's done that.
2: I, and,
3: I'd and like no,
0: him he, to get he, he, more
2: uh, talent on uh, offense so that he doesn't have to.
0: He also knows where that uh, um, that first down marker is. He knows where he has to get He's to. got great awareness. He, he, he's very astute of what is going on, folks. Very astute of what's going on. Uh, again, so I will end today with pretty much how Paul and I started here. Uh, big game. We certainly know in Minnesota this Saturday. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, you, you got to help yourself rather than just expect help from others. So let them go in and take care of business. And uh, we see what happens after that. If, if they win this weekend, it can be clinched
2: i'm not going to go the through all the possibilities that, but yes it, it, there it, is a possibility the giants could clinch a playoff spot this saturday that is true it, it, they it, would have to win that's the first thing that has to happen it, and then other things could could fall into place it
0: would look very good but in the meantime our thanks here to uh the man of the controls pearson butler uh john Schmelk who's in control of everything uh, my buddy here paul dottino you the fans i'm ross salzberg to each and every one of you those celebrating uh uh, Hanukkah, a happy Hanukkah for those celebrating Christmas, a very merry Christmas. And hopefully we'll get a nice Christmas present come uh, Saturday, Christmas Eve in Minnesota. Enjoy, everybody.
1: and timeless.